Hey, Omid here. On this episode, I got the chance to speak with Alex, a good friend of mine from high school. In the time that we've been friends, I've always known him as the burger child. And after listening to this episode, you'll see why I and many others know him that way. As I spoke with him, I got to hear a handful of stories and experiences all wrapped around his special history with burgers. And let me tell you, it's all pretty exciting. So enjoy the first episode of the podcast. My name is Omid, and this is The Deem Stream. Traveling across the country, finding amazing burgers, eating those amazing burgers with a passion, and building a name for himself along the way, I'm super excited to have Alex Leo, aka The Burger Child, on the podcast today. Alex, welcome. Thank you, Omid. It's an honor to be here. It's awesome to be in your presence and with such an amazing opening. Wow. You've humbled me already. You're too kind. Thank you. Um, Yeah. So I guess let's just jump in. So we all love food, right? But we all also kind of like look at food differently. And I think that's partially because of the initial experiences we have with food at a young age. Um, So what was your childhood like where you evolved into someone that had a deeper connection with food, especially burgers. So I grew up in Brooklyn. I grew up in a little neighborhood called Williamsburg that was right by the East River. Over there, I was growing up in Section 8 housing with my grandmother as my primary caretaker. And I do strongly believe that this whole foodie obsession that I've got, this burger, well, this undying love for burgers in general, I think it all started there with my grandmother. And even though it wasn't burgers immediately, it started out yeah. with the simplest foods. And for me, those were garbanzo beans. Garbanzo beans. Garbanzo were beans. They? Goya garbanzo beans straight out the can with some rice. Heat that up. And that was the perfect meal for me. And that's what really incubated my love for food. And just the taste of them being so comforting to yeah. me from there, I really wanted to see if there was any other foods out there that could further broaden my palate. Or my horizons in taste and flavor. So that was where it all started. And then from there, only way to go was up. So your grandma, where was she from? What kind of food did she make? She is from El Salvador. She was born in El Salvador from the Pipil. Or, yeah, Pipil. Yeah. Peoples. And she began making pupusas (laughs) at a very young age, which is this traditional Salvadoran dish that just consists of masa flour. Stuffed with cheese, beans, and or pork. Mm -hmm. And from there, she developed this love for cooking. And with such a simple dish as pupusas, for her, that was was her comfort food. Just like garbanzos were my comfort food when Mm -hmm. I was growing up. And when she decided to move to the United States, she was about 20, I want to say. She had my mother about two years after coming when she was about 22. I want to say. And then she began cooking for her, began caring for her full time. Then Mm. she had to depart and then leave. And Mm. her mother, my great grandmother, decided to actually tag along with her for the ride and the journey to the United States a couple of years after she arrived. And from there, my great grandmother began cooking for my mother. Uh And then the whole passion, the whole cycle just kept on going. Yeah. And since my grandmother has arrived here from El Salvador, she's really tried to preserve that culture, those traditions that she maintained while she was at home in El Salvador. And that would include pupusas, 
Christmas traditions, tamales, stews, all that. And maintaining that, I think, has been one of the great joys of growing up as a Salvadoran American kid because you get to see both sides of the spectrum because you get this Salvadoran upbringing that's very unique and distinct in its traditions and culture, whereas you've also got this American side because you're born in this country. You see both sides of the angle, I guess, and it's, yeah. it's just been very fun and unique. So El, Salvador, El Salvadorian food and American food, specifically burgers. Yes. Right. I mean, they're two totally different foods. How do you shift from that kind of food to American food? Ronald McDonald, of Ronald course. McDonald. But, when, well, I know that you might look at me now. People, <laughs> everyone will look at me now and think, you and McDonald's? No way. You can't do that. You're too good for that. But <laughs> to be honest, that's where it all began. It began going to McDonald's after my karate classes when I was around five. And taking the bite into my first burger was this eye-opening moment where I just realized, again, how so many ingredients could be put all together in this one cohesive bite to make it so you get bun, you get beef, you get pickle, and you get cheese all together. And eating that after having grown up on pupusas, that was mind-blowing because to know that something can be just as comforting but in a different sort of form or a different riff on that same technique of having carb, meat, cheese, carb. Yeah. It, it was amazing. Tasted and, delicious too, right? Oh, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. And then from there, McDonald's became my, it pretty much became my home. Ronald McDonald was my best friend. The Play Place. Oh, yeah. Grimace, the Hamburglar, best friends. Yeah. Best friends. But... I think I really started getting into burgers when I tried out this new place in New Jersey. I was living in New Jersey after I lived in New York for a while, and McDonald's still was my place. And it had become tradition that when or before I got to karate classes okay. at Tiger Shulman's in Bergenfield, the horror, oh my God. But <laughs> af before getting to those classes, my grandmother and I would always go to McDonald's, get myself a number two meal, two cheeseburgers, no modifications whatsoever, and that would be it. That was my life, and I loved it. Yeah. It, was, it was like my tradition. And then we come to McDonald's one day to find out that, oh, no, it's closed for renovations. So I figure, oh, no. Oh, no, what am I going to do now? Because these burgers have been the thing that I've grown most used to for the past couple years. Yeah. And my grandmother says, oh, I know it sucks, but let's go to the mall. And, of course, I was even more horrified because the mall, mm -mm -mm, you bring me to the mall and I'll be there. Well, with my grandmother, at least, you bring me to the mall with her and I'd be there until they closed. I'll be there until half an hour after it Why closed. is that? Because she loved shopping. She, okay. what, she had this undying passion for going to Macy's and just looking at all the clothes. Oh, Macy's, JCPenney, Lord & Taylor, all of that. She'd go in there and she would spend hours in there and she would not leave. And despite my persistent begging for us to go, we wouldn't go. And it was the bane of my existence. Truly. So what... What did you do in the mall that changed your perspective on burgers? So Bobby's Burger Palace, Riverside Square Mall, 
2008. That was my first introduction to what a burger could be. Yeah. What the possibilities were inside of a burger. Because prior to that, it had only been McDonald's. When I got to Bobby's Burger Palace for the first time, for the first time, well, when I got to Bobby's Burger Palace for the first time, I was there in tears. Because again, Ronald McDonald was my best friend. And if I wasn't going to have Ronald McDonald by my side when I was eating a burger, I would not be comfortable. I would not be comfortable at all. But I got there, I took a seat, and my grandmother said, okay, I know this isn't what you want, but order, I think you'll like it. This is a new type of burger. Mm -hmm. This might be better. It's in a fancier place. Maybe, maybe it's just a little bit better quality. And of course, I'm still in tears because Ronald McDonald, you know, he was my guy. But little did I know that Bobby Flay would later become my guy after eating (laughs) a palace classic at Bobby's Burger Palace. And as that burger arrived, I remember distinctly the smell of it as it came in front of me because you've got that beefy smell and the cheese on top of it. You can smell a little bit of that, a little bit of American melted on there. And the fries, you can smell those nice and fresh. And I took my first bite and my world was shook, truly. The very epitome of the word (laughs) shook. And it really just changed my perspective on what food could be. Being that that was my first introduction into other burgers besides McDonald's. That was what opened my eyes to what could be manifested within that simple sandwich. And with the bite of just this amazing bread, this amazing beef, and this well-melted cheese rather than a flop of American just stuck on the patty at last minute which is what mcdonald's did all the time that was what really made me believe that oh there are more things out there than just this drive-through fast food burger there are so many restaurants that serve this in many iterations in many forms and i haven't discovered a little bit of them i've only had one more yeah that's so I can, that's crazy. I don't know. I don't. I didn't think that McDonald's would be your beginning just yes. because of how you're like an expert in burgers, right? And I thought maybe oh, homemade burgers probably was the start. I wish. Apparently I wish. Not. But that that it's humble beginnings. But from there, that's where it just all began to sprout and develop. And of course, while I don't eat McDonald's anymore, I do have to give a little bit of a an appreciative note to them, uh, a thanks because without yeah. them, again. I wouldn't have gotten into them at all. And without them, I wouldn't have recognized that, oh, burgers are good. And then from there, if I had not recognized that burgers were good, I wouldn't have recognized that burgers can be amazing. They can be mind-blowing and all that. And from there, it's only been this journey to find the best ones. So you're in the East Coast at the time, right? You currently live in Utah. Yes. Why did you move to Utah? So it was primarily my mother. She was working on Wall Street at the time, and her company got bought out Mm -hmm. by a bigger company, and she felt like she had no more job stability. And because of that, well, we had she had one cousin that was living in Utah at the time, and still is. And because we visited a couple of times, she thought, hey, maybe this would be a good place to raise my family, my children, Mm -hmm. and all that. So she decided to drop everything and move out here because of 
the sort of premise that life could be better out here, that we would have a bigger home, a more familiar environment in which I could be raised and my sister could be raised, something more family oriented. Mm-hmm. There's not as much crime, as much violence and all that as back east. And because of that, she decided that it was the right decision. And from there, we I mean, moved. yeah, the perfect family place, right? Yeah. Oh, um, oh yes. Yeah, but so when you've, you, you've, you've left the East Coast and leaving the East Coast, you're leaving a big burger chain, Shake Shack. Yes. Oh, yes. my goodness. And I am proud to say that I was there at the very first Shake Shack in Madison Square Park when there was only one location before it became international. I was there and I had a hot dog there. <laughs> A hot, a hot dog. dog. I had a hot dog because I didn't want to betray Ronald. Oh, I, I did see. not want to. So betray you had Ronald. You, he, Ronald was like, like divine for yeah, you. Yeah, Ronald wow. was a god. Yeah, Omid. <laughs> he was an entity that superseded any concept of God itself. I feel because again, yeah. he was ubiquitous. He was everywhere, and wherever I went, he would have a burger for me, and that burger would always be what oh, comfort yeah. means. So, okay, so along with enjoying the tastes of burgers, I'm assuming you're kind of also building memories. Yes. So did you, like, uh, miss leaving Shake Shack and um, the Bobby's Burgers? And um, was was that emotional for you? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And again, growing up on the East Coast and spending so much time there, you develop these sort of relationships, not only with restaurants, but with the waiters at mm-hmm, these restaurants. Mm-hmm. And so, not burgers, but a great diner that we went to all the time in New Jersey went by the name of Chit Chat. And Chit Chat always had this waiter there named Ricardo. And Ricardo was our waiter. And whenever we went, Ricardo would be there. And every time we would order, it would always go, let me get chicken fingers with french fries. And Ricardo would always say no. And that's it. (laughs) Whatever we said. Pancakes, no. Three cheese omelet. No, that was it. And again, we sort of grew to love that sarcastic mentality in him. (laughs) And because of that, we would always look forward to getting Ricardo when we went to Chit Chat. And the same deal when we went to Bobby's Burger Palace. There was a woman by the name of Angelica that would always take our orders when we were there. There was, let's see. Well, it's not a restaurant by any means, but... Growing up out there, there was also an ice cream truck by the name of Mr. Softy. Mm-hmm. Big deal on the East Coast. New York in particular. Mr. Softy, you heard the 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 jingle of Mr. Softy. It was and kids would go bonkers because Mr. Softy was it wasn't just ice cream. It was summer. Because once you heard that jingle, you knew that it was time for everyone to come out and everyone to have fun to play, to go and set up their water slides and their super soakers and all that and just come together as a community after getting those ice cream cones. We would all just congregate again in someone's backyard. Who knows whose backyard it would have been. But we would all come together and all the kids would have fun and it would be an amazing time. That's awesome. But yeah. Yeah. So great memories. And... So you've left the East Coast, great memories, and I guess now it's time to make new memories, right? Yes. New burger joints. Oh, yes. And you're moving near the West Coast, and that means you're coming closer to Shake Shack's enemy. 
Yes. And what is that? Who is that? In and out. In oh and my out. goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, um, first of all, I bet this is a big argument among burger people, and I gotta hear it from you. Which burger is better? To be honest, I feel like it depends on what you were raised on. Because if there's anything that I do believe in, it's that the foods or even the burgers, again, that you grew up eating, those are going to be your favorite ones. Like, I'll always have a soft spot for McDonald's. Mm -hmm. I'll always have a soft spot for Bobby's Burger Palace. And I will always have a soft spot for Shake Shack because that's what I grew up eating, which isn't to say that In-N-Out is bad. Mm -hmm. But I do prefer Shake Shack just because, again, I grew up eating it. I grew up going there to Madison Square Park every now and then once I discovered that they had burgers too. And Times Square sometimes. All of those locations would visit them, would get a burger, would love it, and couldn't wait till the next time mm-hmm. that I came back. Mm-hmm. And once I got over here, in and out so I, I will say that the first time that I did try in and out I wasn't a fan. Really? Because I took a bite and all I could taste was cheese and no no burger. And I huh. thought, mm, 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 mm. no, because again, beef is one for me, at least. Beef is one of, if not the most crucial aspects of a burger itself. Mm-hmm. And going to In-N-Out for the first time, going through the drive through and all that, yeah, it was cool. And people said, oh, this was the best burger out here. It's amazing. It's awesome. And I tried it and... I thought, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's good. It's decent, but it's not amazing, you know? Yeah. And did you grow into it over time? I did. So, well, when I got here, what I had gotten all the time was a single. Okay. And I felt, I think that what it was when I had originally tried it was that the proportion of beef to cheese to bun Mm -hmm. was a little off. So for me, that threw it off completely. And because of that, I didn't quite like it. But then I tried to double double. Oh, so and double the meat. Double the meat. Oh, great. double the cheese. And then <laughs> I figured, oh man, the proportions here, the ratio oh, yeah. of bun to beef to cheese, it's on point. Yeah. It's something that I could get behind. And then I started getting double doubles all the time. It would become a weekly occurrence. Mm-hmm. We would go to In and Out, we would get a double double. It would be amazing. It'd be awesome. And that was that. So um it's so what year did you move to utah 2012 2012 okay so it's august of 2012 and your first burger post on instagram ever i did my research wow yes and it's a simple single in and out burger and so i'm assuming this is your first time jumping into the world of social media and so now the whole world can see that you love burgers. Yes. Always. And so were you a traditional kid in that you started an Instagram because you just wanted one like everyone else? Or was it because you wanted to actually share your interest in burgers? Or was it something else? Beginning, it was not sharing that interest at all. Mm-hmm. It was because it was sort of a peer pressure thing. Because uh-huh. friends that I had on the East Coast in New Jersey, they all had Instagrams. And to know that I didn't have that, that I was missing out on connecting with oh, all of shoot. them. It, <laughs> It broke my heart on me, like, whoa, whoa. And I begged my mother, Mom, could I get an Instagram? Can I have some sort of social media at least so I can reach out to these people and not lose contact? And after months of begging, she finally said, yeah, sure, why not? (laughs) And so I got an Instagram. And, well, to be honest, Omid, 
I've lived a pretty boring life. Besides the burgers I've eaten, I don't think I've gone very many spectacular places besides New York. Every now and then we'll go somewhere mm-hmm. new. I've never traveled internationally. I feel like I don't have that much to share. Yeah. And because burgers were always a constant for me and they were always exciting mm-hmm. whenever I tried a new one, I resorted to burgers and I started saying, hmm, okay, I'll take a picture of this burger every time I eat it. Because that was a sort of a form of stability for me. Because you had burgers, and despite this yeah. move, which for me was very rough, you always had burgers wherever you went. And that could have been in and out. And though initially it was decent, it was still a form of stability because it was a burger. It was a burger that maybe I hadn't grown up on, but it was still a burger. And it shared the name with titans like Shake Shack mm-hmm. and Bobby's Burger Palace. Yeah, so it's it's school time, right? September, coming around that time. And, um, you know, I love, I know you like your burgers, right? We all know that. But throughout the years, and you were saying that you've lived kind of a boring life, but were there any other passions or hobbies that you kind of pursued or, you know, expressed as much as you have with burgers? Oof. So you said a little bit about karate. A little bit about karate. Yes. So when I was younger, Tiger Shulman's karate, though, again, it was the bane of my existence. It was fun. And believe it or not, I had a bod. I had a good bod oh, yeah. because of karate. And when I stopped doing it, it kind of just, uh, I grew sideways, you know. <laughs> and though I did not like it initially, I did grow attached to the cor- sort of constant form of de-stressing that it brought. Because mm-hmm. you would just release all that anger and that frustration from school in some punches and kicks and what was it kia we would always say yeah that's what we were instructed to say whenever we threw a big punch it was kia <laughs> kia with a big punch us with a jab and that was it yeah. and because of that i kind of grew attached to it for a little bit because again it was a form of de-stressing decompressing releasing yeah. all the anger that was built up inside yeah so and just throughout all the years in middle school and high school, anything? Or? I do think that one of the passions that I've developed is for photography. Yeah. Street photography in particular. And I think, well, when I was handed my first camera, I thought, eh, this is, this is fun. But I mean, what else can I do besides take pictures of plants, you know? Mm-hmm. And because of that sort of cliche component to it all, I didn't really like it initially. But I decided, eh. Why not? I'll take it for my art component for the curriculum Mm -hmm. because I didn't really have a passion for any other (laughs) things in the arts. I couldn't sculpt. I couldn't paint. I could take pictures. Sometimes they were pretty good pictures. So I decided, hey, why not? I'll pursue photography. Yeah. And after freshman year, I started thinking, oh, this isn't too bad. After sophomore year, I thought, wow. This is pretty fun because I think that I found my niche in street photography. And that consisted of, again, taking pictures of people that were just in the streets doing their own thing, but in a sort of aesthetically pleasing way. Yeah, You've got people that look homeless that are standing on corners with the sun at this perfect angle so they look illuminated like if they were a god of some sort. Mm -hmm. You've got people that are coming home from work that are bumping into other people and their facial expressions look as if they've seen a dead squirrel fall right before their eyes. (laughs) 
all that I feel like it just attracted me because it was so unusual and the whole concept of being in the moment and having these small moments where you would encounter something that you probably wouldn't ever see again something like that it really attracted me because of how unique these little yeah. scenes would be but yeah yeah I, I love that and another so so okay so you've got your passions and I went to the same school as you did, right? A small liberal arts school, probably yes. a thousand people or so. Um, and so I was a clueless middle school student. You know, I always identified you as the guy that wore a burger jacket to school. Because I, you know, I didn't know too much about you. But the other thing I knew about you was that you were an avid student government member. Yes. And I believe you were in it from the last year of middle school. So eighth grade. Yes. Um, and then till the last year of high school. Um, finishing off as the president. Yes. And I was fortunate, actually, to be in it with you for a couple of years, which was great. It was a pleasure, truly. <laughs> and so what about student government interested you? Because it requires, you know, a certain type of person to take on a public role like that. For sure. Yeah. Well, for me, it was all about change. I felt like the way that our school was doing things could have been done in a better way. Mm -hmm. And maybe we could have implemented new things that could have potentially made school life a little bit better and a little bit more fun for the entire student body. So in eighth grade, that started out with, okay, let's do something fun and unusual. Let's do stare at a senior day. Uh, the day when they got their senior sweaters. Let's yeah. all just stop and let's stare at the seniors <laughs> in this unwavering gaze. How'd it go? It went pretty well. I got to say, it's surprisingly, there were many people that partook mm -hmm. in Stare at a Senior Day. And there were some seniors that were like, what are you doing? Why are you all staring at us? And they had no idea because we were middle schoolers. Yeah. And they had no interaction with the middle school or knew what was going mm -hmm. on. And so when I announced, we'll make it Stare at a Senior Day this Friday when they get their senior sweaters, that was what really got people going. Mm -hmm. And they would all go out in force in little clans and crews and they would all just stare at the seniors yeah and for me that felt pretty nice because again to see something to see something that i had implemented have yeah. some sort of impact among those lines it was so cool it was awesome i loved it and that sort of high that i rode after having implemented that that's what kind of led me to go into student government in mm -hmm. upper school in high school and when I got elected as class nine representative, that's when I started figuring out, oh, this is so much more than just making special days, you know? This is making a change mm -hmm. on school and the school environment, the student body, yeah. all of that. And so in the years following, I tried my best to have my voice heard so that we could potentially implement new programs so that we could make the best of our school experience make it so that students feel like they're valued and they're heard and that they have more opportunities than before. And once I arrived as student body president after a couple of years serving as a class representative, mm -hmm. I figured I think I need to make, the to make the best of this. And of course, being a student body president includes planning dances, finding the DJs, all that, special activities, special events, all that. You plan that. You make sure that they're as awesome as they can be. But to look beyond that and see what sort of a lasting impact can I have on this school, on the student body, that's something that really drove me to begin an internship program, which, though it wasn't implemented in the past school year, mm -hmm. 
it will come to fruition next year as I didn't anticipate it involving as much work as it truly did. So beginning next year, we're going to have our own internship coordinator. Mm -hmm. We're going to have internships throughout the entire Salt Lake Valley for students, I believe, starting as a rising juniors wow we'll have the yeah. opportunity to pursue wow. and all that so yeah i because i'm a rising junior right now so yeah. there you go i yeah i heard about that but yes it That's should amazing. be fun i'm hopeful that it will have an impact as profound as i hoped for it to be i'm hopeful that students who do have the ambition and the drive mm-hmm. will look for it and look towards applying towards these positions as a sort of introduction into a world that they hadn't had the opportunity to explore yet or maybe they have had the opportunity and would like to see what it's truly like yeah. behind the scenes. So, you know, it's amazing that you're doing that kind of stuff. But I think also with student government, you're also interacting with a lot of people, correct? Yes. You're building your social skills. Um, you're becoming more mature. So, you know, so it's clear that you like love to talk with people because you've been in student government for so long. Um, and so I was looking through a relatively recent caption on social media where you said, investing in a good meal is an investment in other people's stories so is does that mean you're having a conversation with someone during the meal or or what exactly does that mean to you well i feel like the meaning just goes so many ways because if you are had to have a meal with an acquaintance then that's investing in how well not how but in a story that you could potentially share or they could potentially share with you that's being able to learn about that person to an extent that you never had access to before. Mm -hmm. That's speaking with them, learning more about them, learning more about their interests, their passions, their drives, all of that. And to be able to share that over something delicious, that's truly a pleasure and truly an honor. And I feel like sharing meals together or even sitting at a table sharing french fries, something as simple as that. I feel like the simple act of being social in this setting and being able to interact with somebody over some good food or a good meal, that really brings out some stories that you otherwise wouldn't have access to or wouldn't have known about. And because of that, I love speaking with people, bringing them over mm-hmm. to, well, making a grilled cheese for them is what I've been doing recently. Or again, bringing them to in and out something like that, something yeah. as simple as that. That's, again, investing in their, in their stories. And... Furthermore, to go and check out a local restaurant of sorts and to be able to interact with the owners, with the chefs, with all of that, and to learn what drives them, where they came from, how they developed this passion for food, that is another great way to invest, again, in another person's story. Mm-hmm. For example, so Viet Pham is a great chef who's competed on Iron Chef, beat Bobby Flay twice on the Food Network, and has opened up a restaurant called Pretty Bird, which has been open now for about a year. Mm-hmm. I had Pretty Bird before coming here unashamedly, and they are perhaps my favorite restaurant. With, with the, the purple cabbage? With the purple okay. cabbage. Yeah, I know The that. chicken, purple cabbage, oh, yeah. PB sauce, amazing pickles, and this bun <laughs> that's just the most insane thing. And trying Pretty Bird for the first time was mind-blowing because... Looking at food from the angle that Viet looks at it, as I later learned, is not looking at food as simply sustenance, but as a way of exploring flavor and taste 
and seeking out different combinations that will greater enhance how you perceive what one simple protein or dish mm-hmm. or sandwich is. And Pretty Bird, I really think, is one of the greatest restaurants because, again, the entire process of devising these recipes for this chicken was so strenuous and so, I don't know what the word is, so so strenuous and so, one second, what's the word? What are the words? What is it? What's so the many act? words. So strenuous and so, well, it took a lot of time. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. It was strenuous and time-consuming. Okay. The entire process was such a strenuous and time-presuming Strenu- the entire process <laughs> was such a strenuous and time-consuming ordeal that to learn that he came out with this finished product that was absolutely breathtaking, yeah, both in heat and flavor, was something that I loved. And further speaking with Viet Pham, I've learned so much about him, about his story, about where he came from. He, he arrived in the United States in his mother's belly from Cambodia. After they came here, he settled in, I believe, a suburb or an area near Los Angeles. And then from there, he really developed his passion for food with instant ramen. With ramen in a little cup. And he tried it out for the first time, and he liked it. Yeah. But then after having it so many times, he was looking for ways to make it better, to make it new and exciting. And from there, he started putting vegetables in there. Oh, and then he started gonna, putting yeah. some proteins in there. And he thought, huh. oh, my goodness, what if I add an egg? What if I add a carrot, a scallion, all that? And then he further developed his little instant ramen recipes. Yeah. And from there, yeah. that's what inspired him to become a chef, to seek out new flavors, to yeah. seek out the best way to combine all these seasonings so that they're of optimal experience to the consumer. And because of that, he became a chef. He became a very decorated chef. And he's, well, in my opinion, he's opened up the best restaurant in Salt Lake and maybe the entire state. Mm -hmm. And to know and to see and learn about him, where he came from and how he arrived at this point in time, I feel like is so inspiring. Because, again, you've got so many stories out there. And to hear his and how unique it was and how wonderful it was for him, it was wonderful. Yeah. And, again, to seek out meals with chefs that have stories and of course every chef does have a story but being able to hear the story behind the chef i think that's another way to seek out stories in meals and mm-hmm. that's why i love it as well yeah so this might not be the same chef but you love cup bop as well is I that do. right yes yeah cup bop is great i began eating there i'm proud to say that i was there when there was only one truck on the street wow is it a Utah company? It is a Utah company. So if I recall correctly, it was started by, let's see, Jung, JK, and Spencer were the founders' names. Mm -hmm. And I was there when there were only a couple of, well, it was only them three on the truck. And I tried it out for the first time, and I was like, whoa, (laughs) whoa, this is good. The chicken, the beef, the pork, all that. What if I got them all together and combined white sauce and the level five sauce, all that? Yeah. And that sort of introduced me to Korean food in general. Because, again, before that, it wasn't too much cultural exposure to other cuisines of other nations, nationalities, yeah. and cultures. 
and cup op though it's not quote unquote authentic mm-hmm. i did think that it was something that was new and exciting for me and because of that i grew attached to them for a little bit yeah. but i do think unfortunately that they've had a little bit of growing pains that as they've expanded so rapidly the quality has declined a little bit has it yeah so and do you go there as much anymore? not as much unfortunately no. when i yeah. was much well not much but maybe four or five years ago cup Bop was my spot and yeah. i would go over there and the people at the truck would know me and they would say burger child <laughs> all that they give and you free food sometimes they really would. sometimes okay. they would they would invite me to exclusive little events and tastings for new menu items and all that which was an yeah. awesome time exclusive parties that they held with korean snack companies that came to utah just for cup up yeah. i was there at a couple of them and that was awesome so time is going by right in in your years and you're you're hearing new stories you're meeting new people you're eating new foods um and you're also posting hundreds if not thousands of pictures of burgers right and the like my first question is i used to love chicken wings for yes. example right and i kind of got sick of them over time and i think most people would agree with me on you know if you eat a lot of the same food you get sick of it i mean how do you not get sick of eating um burgers every week yeah so i do think moderation is absolutely critical <laughs> moderation is key because again if you do eat a lot of burgers if you eat one every single day you might get bored of it especially if it's from the same place but if you do limit yourself to maybe one burger or two burgers even per week then that'll allow you to not get so used to it and numbed by it that each new burger or again each burger in general will become an exciting experience and just as exciting as the previous time yeah and because well i try to limit myself to at least one burger or at most two burgers per week let's say okay just because eating so many it's it gets a little tedious in a way after eating so many you kind of get used to the whole flavor and the combination like in and out Maybe let's go to In-N-Out on Monday and let's go to In-N-Out on Wednesday and Thursday. After doing that for a couple weeks, it kind of grows boring. But again, to switch things up a little bit, I think is important too. So you don't just go to In-N-Out, but you try out a burger at a new restaurant maybe or go to another already well-known classic, I'll say, like The Habit Mm -hmm. or Dog House is another great one or Crown Burger is a Utah original and absolutely wonderful. Mm-hmm. To go to In-N-Out one week, then Crown Burger on another week, and then The Habit on the next week. And then the next week after that, you try a completely new burger place. To have it that way, I feel like doesn't really it doesn't really become as tiring because every single establishment will make a different burger. Yeah. No matter how minimal the changes are in recipe, they're still going to be different. And those small subtleties... If they are subtle, they still make a difference. Mm-hmm. But if it's a huge thing, even better. Because then you get to experience a burger in a new, I'll say a new form. Mm-hmm. Because an In-N-Out burger is going to be completely different from a burger from a local restaurant like the Copper Onion. Because yeah. they invest more time into the beef. They're not a fast food chain. They take the time and the patience to get it done right. And even better, there is a local restaurant called Franks. Yeah. Franks only puts out a burger on Thursday night. Chef Robert Perkins, who I had the pleasure of meeting, has so much energy and passion for 
the simple act of constructing a new burger every week so that every Thursday, the burger on the menu is going to be completely different from the one that you had the week before. Mm -hmm. To have a chef like that, I think, really changes everything up. Changes everything up. Because, again, it spices the game up a little bit. Yeah. Because, again, it keeps changing. One week, your beef is going to be from ground sirloin. Two weeks later, it's going to be ground filet mignon. And it's going to have a little bit of an Indian flair with some spiced chickpeas, some garam masala, all that. And then the week after that, maybe we'll just go straight American. And then the week after that, maybe we'll go Mediterranean. But to have something or a burger that changes weekly to keep things exciting, I think that's amazing. And that's why I love Frank's Thursday burger. It's wonderful. It's kind of like stepping out of your comfort zone every week to have a new taste. And I do think that that's more important now than ever. I do feel like some sometimes, not too often, but sometimes kids or teens or even adults will be so confined to a flavor that they've grown so attached to that they're not willing to explore any others. And because of, well, it breaks my heart a little bit because, again, you don't know what better things are out there. You don't know what you could be tasting, but you're not because you're restricting yourself to just this thing. And because of that, it kind of breaks my heart. And I will admit that I haven't quite been able to explore other cuisines because I've opted to get burgers because, again, I've been so used to them. Mm-hmm. But as of late, I've been trying to expand my outreach to the food world and try out Japanese cuisine, ramen, Korean food, authentic, not cup bop, but authentic mm-hmm. Korean food, Chinese food, even African cuisine, even yeah. cuisine from Germany, all that, street food from South America, to see all of those regional specialties come together in one restaurant, or not all of them, but to see a regional specialty appear in a restaurant, I find that so exciting because that appearance that apparition is the the basis of another person's introduction Mm -hmm. maybe into a new world of flavor or experience because you can have one person that's going there that has never been to a restaurant of that sort that tries one thing out and then suddenly mind is altered in a way they have a new passion they have a new like a new love for this type of food for this cuisine for this dish and because of that i do feel like it's important to try out as many cuisines as you can yeah and i again i am guilty of not trying very many out but when i do i always find it a pleasure yeah it's always awesome so um we can tell on instagram that you have had like so many burgers so many different burgers oh yes and I think what's unique about your your being the burger child and your page is that you kind of have this charming um, vibe when you write oh. on the captions. You're too kind. <laughs> and, and so beca- behind every picture you post, there's always, you know, this story and they're funny, they're creative. I think they're amazing. Oh, and so actually, I, I actually want to read one um, that you wrote recently and I thought it was it was super cool. So here we go. I'm going to try to be articulate here. No Do you worries. want to read it? If you'd like me. Well, I don't know which one. Be, I'll read it because. Go for it. Okay. I'll say it as if may, like how you felt as you were writing it. Okay. Perfect. 
Tucked behind an unassuming red curtain in New York lies a storied burger joint whose eponymous title attracts lines so enormous that they need barriers just to keep it from getting out of control. Slowly trudge toward the neon sign from the super fancy entrance and you'll discover an entirely new world. A classic dive with snappy employees and one chef's uh, attired donning cook, an excellent chair, nicely toasted buns, and fresh veggies all combine here to form the burger of your drunk uncle's barbecue dreams. Sinking my teeth into it, I realize why it's so treasured. Combined with its unconventional location, this burger inspires envy among all backyard chefs for its preparation and superb execution. You can't not eat it and think, I could make this if I were dedicated. You can try. I don't think it'll shape up to this, though. I mean, applause for that, for real. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> but, um, so it, it's like I know what the burger tastes like now. I know what's going on. I know the environment. And you're, so you're building your own stories. Um, so like, where does this skill come from, writing and telling stories? Well, to be honest, most of these little captions behind these Instagram posts are written within 15 or 20 minutes really? before I post them. It doesn't yes. sound like that. Yes, I try my best. What I do remember is the experience and the flavor behind all the burgers that I eat. And I try to encapsulate that as quickly as possible, given time constraints. And I do find that there is a best time to post a picture to <laughs> maximize your likes and your engagement. Yeah. And I try to make it in time for that deadline. And oftentimes that means that I have to write things quickly. Most of the time it means that I have to write these things quickly. A lot of the time that's what happens. And to be able to remember all these things and articulate them, Mm -hmm. though it is difficult sometimes, I try and make little notes in my brain. Like a little mind map if you've heard of the tactic of constructing a mind map of Mm -hmm. sorts. You remember this place and you dedicate it to memory. And you try and remember the flavor. And as you're tasting it, you make this little mind map of what the flavor is like. So you enter a house of flavor. And you go straight, and suddenly you get a little bit of that char. And then you make a right to a different room, and you get the crunch of the lettuce. And then you go upstairs, and you get the bun, how exquisitely squishy it is, and how a little bit of butter brushed on top enhances the experience all a bit more yeah then you go to the basement and you discover oh my goodness the the tenderness and the juiciness of this beef is out of this world and by constructing these little mind maps for myself i try and remember what the entire experience of consuming this burger is like Mm -hmm. and from there i write my captions to the best of my ability given the time frame and yeah I express it to the best extent that I can. Well, they're great. Thank Um, you, thank you. So, you know, we see all these pros of being, you know, the burger child. But, I mean, there has to be cons, too, right? More or less, yes. I do think that, well, if you looked at me about 10 years ago, I was as thin as a toothpick. (laughs) And you look at me now, and I, again, the (laughs) amount of body fat that I have gained over the past couple of years it's no joke and unfortunately i don't have that many opportunities to exercise so i try and maybe get a little bit of a run or a jog in Mm -hmm. every once in a while still it's not enough to make a significant impact on my weight and i do think that by eating so much food it does come down to oh am i healthy Mm -hmm. 
And again, I go to the doctor and they say, yeah, you're healthy. Your blood sugar is great. Your cholesterol mm-hmm. is great. Maybe your body mass index isn't the best, mm-hmm. but otherwise you're not in bad shape. I mean, do they know you've been eating burgers two they, times they, a week for your, most no of your life? Clue. They have <laughs> no clue that I've been eating so much junk food. This I, Alex Leo Guerra, is the very epitome of a nu- nutritionist's nightmare. I feel because mm-hmm. again, salads, ha, huh? no thanks. Yeah, not no thanks. But <laughs> I don't eat them very much. I do think that foods like sandwiches and other regional and traditional foods are much more flavorful than tossing vegetables. And again, putting that all together, I just don't find as much joy. And though, of course, there are standouts that are really good. Vessel Kitchen yes. is another great example, which is a local restaurant that was started in Park City mm-hmm. that now has a location in Midvale. Yeah, I love They're, that place. Yes. Yeah. They are awesome, and they manage to make food taste delicious and still have it be healthy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an incredible f- feat in flavor design and execution of a menu. And for me, that's one of the great joys of dining out is discovering, again, these new places that are awesome. And hey, Believe it or not, it's healthy too. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. So I guess you can look at it this way. There are, I guess, two different types of people, right? One person that, you know, eats healthy their their whole life to live maybe a couple more years. Or another person that wants to enjoy every year of their life, but is going to have to sacrifice a couple years. So do you identify with yourself as that second person? or I do think so. I feel like... <laughs> So I know that I have a very, a very unhealthy diet. Yes, well, relatively not as healthy as other people, especially those that go to Waterford, that go to our school. I feel like my diet just pales in comparison Mm -hmm. to all these superfood, vegetarian, and vegan diets that other people are following. And for me, it's just burgers and maybe something with eggs every now and then for breakfast, maybe a bagel. I feel like everything is completely carb-based because it's either between buns or pasta (laughs) nowadays or with rice. And again, I do think that my diet, uh, I know that my diet isn't the best. But the fact that I'm able to experience so many new flavors as consequence of seeking out these foods that, again, may not be the most healthy. I do think that that's a a very rewarding experience. Because, again, you wouldn't know about these things otherwise. You wouldn't have any idea of how good something was unless you had tried it. And because I've sought sought out all these great restaurants and new foods, I feel like that's a more welcome sort of... hmm, A more welcome experience than consistently eating healthier dishes. Yeah. And, again, confining yourself to salads, I think that's okay if you can do that. That's great. I cannot do that. Yeah. (laughs) And again, a salad, I do try and eat a little bit healthier. And though it might not always be as successful as I would have liked it to be, it is nevertheless still fun. So what about um, veggie burgers, the impossible burger? Okay. What do you think about that? So I will say that veggie burgers in the traditional sense of the word are at times they're good. At times, they're not quite as good. Mm -hmm. And I do think that 
it depends on what little protein you're using because you've got black bean burgers, you've got quinoa burgers and all those. And again, I just don't find the same excitement that you get from a regular burger because when, well, for me, when I do eat a burger, I expect a little bit of juiciness, a little bit of a char and all that. When you have a veggie burger, I feel like it's more difficult to achieve that. But again, the Impossible Burger, which I tried out only a couple weeks ago, changes the game. Really? In my opinion. I think that what they've achieved there, the sheer amount of engineering and science that went into the its construction, mm-hmm. I feel like was so well thought out that once you take a bite, it's exceptional because it has the same texture as beef. It has the same juiciness as beef. You've still got the good Maillard reaction, which helps brown the beef on the outside. That's there. That's something that you can't get with a regular veggie burger. And because that's become so so much more prominent mm-hmm. then well, I wouldn't say much more prominent, but nevertheless has gained a bet a big reputation in the United States at least for being one of the burgers that's uh an extraordinary feat in again, engineering, science, mm-hmm. technology, all that. I feel like the the reputation that it's gained has made it amazing even more amazing because more people want it and more people want it to be better than the last iteration. So they're constantly engineering it to be the best that it can be. Yeah. So possibly, and I'll possibly a new hope for healthy burgers. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And it's crazy. And the environmental impacts it can have as well, because mm-hmm. greenhouse gas emissions, all well, from the farting of cows. Yes. From the <laughs> farting of cows. I do think while cows, while cows are delicious, Cows farting are not very good for the environment. And in pressing times like these, I do think that it's important to take as many precautions as you can to protect the environment. And because of that, I do think that the Impossible Burger has a big future for Mm -hmm. the future of meat, beef, protein in general. And again, you have so many different companies that are blooming and blossoming that are based on the very concept of making meat that is entirely Mm plant-based so you've got impossible you've got beyond burger and in the united kingdom you have a company called this isn't Mm -hmm. which specializes in making different proteins out of completely plant-based materials they've got chicken fingers they've got sausages things of this in the same vein they specialize in producing that and again i do think that that's the future of our diets yeah and so there's this environmental aspect, but I think, especially today, across the nation, there's this huge um, controversy over animal cruelty, especially cows with the Fair Oaks um, yes. situation. What, what do you think about that whole thing and the way they've treated the cows? So I do think, I feel like animal abuse is often overlooked, and I absolutely despise it. And the entire Fair Life ordeal... I do think that it's an absolutely atrocious act of human savagery upon these innocent animals. And again, it's terrible. And though it is a very big ethical concern, I do think that if the animals are treated well, free-range chickens and cows and all that, if they're treated and given a good life, I... And I feel bad saying this. I will eat them. (laughs) It's the circle of life. It's the circle of life. Yes. And I do think that while 
the it, the entire act of killing another animal in order to eat its meat it is in and of itself it sounds terrible mm-hmm. but for me i think i've grown so attached to the entire concept of meat that i wouldn't be able to give it up unless of course impossible burger or this isn't in the united kingdom will come out with an, enti- an entirely plant-based string of proteins mm-hmm. that could effectively replace it and could taste just as good if not better than the real thing and though it is a complex issue and though it is it still bugs me to this day that hey i'm still eating an animal that yeah. died yeah it's it's a bit devastating to be honest but i do feel like the way that i was raised meat has been and has played such a crucial part in my life to this point that I don't think I'd be able to give it up. Yeah. Man. Um, and I guess maybe one more con that I thought of maybe is, you know, by this point in your burgerholic, burgerholic, is that how you say it? Sure. Burgerholic. Burgerholic. Career. You've built a name for yourself, right? Um, do you ever feel stuck though? Like, do you, do people come up to you and just discuss burgers, like just burgers with you? Um, and they don't say anything else or, you know, are there ever times where you just want to escape being the burger child? I will say that at times people do come up to me and approach me and say, hey, where's the best burger that I can get here? Mm-hmm. What is the best burger in this country, in this little city off of the coast of Newfoundland <laughs> and all that? And yeah. of course, I'm always welcome to do that. And of, it does get a little bit tedious, I will admit, because you do have new places that come about. And I don't want to turn anyone down just because they're reaching out to me without any prior warning. I want to give them my best advice. And so yep. I do thorough research and I cross-reference all of these sites that give reviews, that have ratings, so that I can devise a little bit of a burger hit list for these people. And again, if they want that with food... I'll do that as well. And I will say that it does become a little bit tiring, but nevertheless, it's a job that I'm proud to do. If people do come to me for recommendations, I will proudly take on the task because if they're trusting enough to bestow upon me the responsibility of giving them places to eat, I'd consider that an honor. Yeah, I reached out to you a couple of times, actually. I was in Wyoming and Mm -hmm. you recommended a really good restaurant. I forget the name, but it was great awesome and again that's why i do what i do if you do have an experience if you eat something that's just awesome wonderful amazing and i feel a little bit better about myself i feel like oh i've done good i've done well (laughs) yeah so i guess so there's the cons um back to the benefits though because there's a handful of benefits um i guess the conclusion of the senior year seems to be good for you yes pretty good yeah and first off Near the scene, near the end of the year, a Shake Shack coming to Utah. <sighs> okay, so it breaks my heart. Is it bad? Oh, I thought it would be good. So it is incredible, but it is absolutely devastating because I arrived, well, again, I arrived here in 2012, fresh from the East Coast. Shake yep. Shack was my place. Yeah. It was my restaurant. I loved it. I grew up on it. And all these years, I've been wishing. We need a Shake Shack. I wish that Shake Shack would open up a location over here. Where? I don't know. Somewhere. But they need to come here. Yeah. And I find out that Shake Shack is opening in Utah. 
in January. Really close to where we live. Really close. Super close to where I live. Not it's not even a fifteen minute drive. Wow. But then a couple months later I found I find out that oh my family is moving to Atlanta this summer. And the fact that I had a well, I grew up on Shake Shack and that they were coming after so many years of longing them longing for them to open up a location over here to find out that they're going to open when I'm going to be gone, when my family is going to be moving to another state, when I'm going to be in college, when I'm not going to be able to experience it. It does break my heart because after so many years of longing and wishing, it finally happens. The idea finally comes to fruition, but it does so when I won't be here. Mm -hmm. That's what really breaks my heart. But again, that's life. You miss some great occasions. (laughs) You're there for some. But but sometimes it's better to have it, you know, in small amounts. That's true. It makes it better. That's very true. Yeah. And I do think that because of my upbringing here in Utah, because of because I've been away from Shake Shack for so long, to have them be here, but nevertheless having me be away, I do think that that's kind of beautiful in a way. Yeah. Because, again, you've longed for something so much, and then it arrives, and then you can't be there to experience when it opens, when they get popular around here but when you return it makes it all the more better and beautiful the memories come back because the memories come come flowing back the standing in line for hours that comes back and i love it it's something that i've grown very fond of and to be able to experience that even after all these years of longing and wishing i do think that it's wonderful um yeah for sure and another great thing i think this is probably one of the greatest things that's happened to you it's you got into your dream school is that correct that is correct i so yes getting into my well i got into duke university early decision and mm-hmm. i will say that i had a little bit of a leg up over mm-hmm. some applicants because i did apply early yeah early decision applicants have a higher acceptance rate than those that do apply regular decision and because of that i well like overall there was a higher acceptance rate for early decision mm-hmm. students which doesn't say that it wasn't competitive. But nevertheless, I did have a little bit of an advantage. And after some, okay, I will be the first person to go to college and graduate within four years of graduating high school. My mother went to college after she graduated high school, but dropped out only a couple months after. And then she went to a different school. And then she dropped out of that one. And then she went to a different school. And then she dropped out of that Mm -hmm. one. And then finally she found the college that was right for her, which was a city college in New York City. And she went there, loved it. Then she had me. And she had to take a little bit of a break. But a few years after, she graduated. She made it. It's amazing. When I was just, what, two, three years old, something like that. And to know that she had gone through so much in order to uh, obtain a diploma, that would be the indicator or likely indicator of her future success. That was a crowning achievement in my family because nobody else has done that. And for me, I feel like I wanted to take it a a bit further to go to a college that had a national reputation Mm -hmm. rather than influence solely in the city in which it was situated. And for me, that was looking at schools that were very difficult to get into. 
That was looking at the Ivy League, Stanford, Duke, Emory, mm-hmm. all those. And we took a little bit of a college tour the summer, this past summer. And from there, I discovered all the schools that I thought I would love, that I wouldn't mind attending for four years. And Duke was the standout. And I will shamelessly admit that I became infatuated because in on Duke's campus, there is a place called the Broadhead Center. Mm-hmm. And while we were taking a tour, our tour guide said, okay, we're going to walk through all of this. And in the middle, we're going to take a little break. We're going to walk into the Broadhead Center and just relax for a little bit. Take a look around, take in the sights, maybe get something to eat. Mm-hmm. And why not? Yeah. I, I said, okay, this is cool. And I enter the Broadhead Center. And it is this most amazing food court of sorts <laughs> with cuisines from every corner of the earth. And I think to myself, oh, my God, this is it. <laughs> Do you see all of these foods, these dishes that are being served here that I can eat every single day? That that was it. I wow. Was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I got to come here. And of course... Food should not be the primary motivator for anyone to attend a certain school. It kind of was for me, though. Yeah. But nevertheless, looking further beyond that, at the academics, at the social environment, the school in general, all that, it really attracted me and it appealed to me. And because of that, I thought, yes, this will be the place. This is the place. This is the place. Yes. Yeah. This is the place indeed. And I applied and I got in. To my surprise, and I did mm-hmm. record a little video. I right, saw that. Yes, yeah. right before opening up, I recorded myself opening up that little letter, hoping for the best. And it turns out that I made it. And it was funny that mm-hmm. video got picked up by the official Duke students verified Instagram account. Oh, okay. And pretty much everyone <laughs> that was admitted early decision knew my name by the end of it and it was awesome and they That's were like awesome. whoa hold up you're the guy that opened up his letter and freaked out yeah i was there and even now there were people that have reached out to me who have said i applied regular decision and i got in and when i was looking to apply and hoping to get in I looked at your video when it was posted, and I thought to myself, I want to be like that kid. Oh, crazy. That would be awesome. And yeah. it's just so, so, so nice to see that other people looked at me as like, oh, I want to be like him one day. Even yeah. though it wasn't because of my personal qualities or anything or my outside influence of sorts. It was just a simple act of opening a letter yeah. and saying and having other people say, I want to be like him. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, and so... You've applied, you get in, and I mean, how much do you think being the burger child helped you get into Duke? So I do think that it played a significant role. I Mm -hmm. wrote my common application essay, which you send to every single school, on being the burger guy. Mm -hmm. And I wrote about a little experience that I had in a supermarket. I work at Harmon's, a local supermarket, and I come across this man in a Red Sox cap. And from there, I have to call him out because I'm from New York, right? <laughs> and I say, Red Sox, no, no. And he's like, yeah, Sonny, better believe it. And I give him a free sample. And I say, I got to ask, are you originally from Boston? Are you originally from Massachusetts? I hear a little accent in your voice. So, yeah, he shrugs it off. Like, yeah, I'm from this little tiny town, Western Mass. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I was just there. 
I was driving by because I was visiting colleges. I was going from Dartmouth back into New York City to stay with family. Mm -hmm. And as you pass through that route, you go through Springfield, Massachusetts, which is a little town in western Massachusetts that has this old burger joint by the name of White Hut, Mm -hmm. which has been an institution in the town of Springfield for decades. It's been around since the 40s, I believe. People have gone there since then and have raised their families going to White Hut, had their first dates at White Hut, all that. And so I say, wait a second, Springfield, Springfield, he's from Springfield. Hold on, hold on. I was just in Springfield. So I speak with him and I say, I got to ask, were you ever a fan of White Hut? I was just in Springfield and I tried it out and it was an amazing burger. And he is taken aback a little bit. And he says, oh, White Hut, that's where I met my wife. Mm -hmm. But then he slowly started retreating. And it turns out that his wife had passed away only two months before we had met. And so he's there and he's just sobbing. And I hold him in my arms and I say, oh, my God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I just hold him there for a good 20 minutes and he doesn't stop crying. And then he finally just goes away. And I think to myself, oh, my God, what have I done? What is this? This yeah. is what what about being the burger guy has led me to make this man be in tears over here in the middle of this supermarket? And it just breaks my heart because, again, being the burger guy has always been about spreading a little bit of joy, a little bit of my passion with others. And to see it have this consequence, I didn't anticipate it mm-hmm. at all. But it turns out, well... He came back. He came back two weeks later while I'm on shift. And he comes up to me and he says, hey, Sonny, Sonny said, yes, yes. Oh, my goodness. How are you? How have you been? Oh, my goodness. I'm so sorry about what happened a couple weeks ago. And he said, no, no. Thank you. Thank you. Because he said that me bringing up White Hut after only a couple months after his wife had passed away allowed him to look back at the past about when they met about when they were together about their relationship looking back on that time when they were happier when they were together when one of them was there for him and to know that they had such a wonderful time together as partners and to know that that had led to this moment where Hey, maybe one of them is gone now, but maybe, maybe we'll just meet again in the future somewhere, maybe in heaven, maybe somewhere else. I don't know. Maybe we'll end up in the same grave. We will end up in the same grave together. We'll end up in the same place, Mm -hmm. six feet under, right there, all that. He said, yeah, I know it sounds weird, Sonny, but thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So you, you, wow. Yeah. Very moving. Yeah. So you wrote about that in the Duke and in your common application. Yes, I did. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I were Duke, I would have definitely let you in for that as well. You're too kind, I mean. I tried my best. I tried my best to weave a good narrative of burgers and this man's story and the impact that I might have had on him and how that affected me. And I guess it worked out pretty well. Yeah. I gotta say. So I guess also, I mean... 
you you graduated from high school, right? Yes. And oh yes, I mean that's a crazy achievement. From you said that um, your family members never went to college, or Correct. many of them. But many did they them, did they graduate from high school? They did graduate from okay. high school, but many of them had to take summer courses in order to raise their GPA. Yeah, to a point where they could actually graduate. My yeah. mother, for example, they allowed her to walk with her class when getting her diploma. But she had to take summer courses afterwards in order yeah. to raise her GPA up to a sufficient level that was good enough for her to graduate. Yeah. And that's been the case for many of my family members. And to be one of the few people that could proudly say that I've gone to high school, I've taken advantage of my education, I've been able to walk with my class and graduate as a student body president. As someone who even won an award that I didn't even think I would get. Really? What did you win? I wasn't there. So, the Waterford Award. Wow. So, that yeah. is the name of our school, Waterford. Yes. And you you got... That's the that's the biggest... Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And yeah. if I recall correctly, I think it's just awarded to two students who they believe embody Waterford values, yeah. Waterford's values best. And to be one of those, it really took me aback because, hey, I'm just the burger guy. Yeah, I'm here just trying to see what people had for dinner over the past week. Yeah. And to know that that's been good enough to warrant me getting an award, it it's humbling. It really is. Yeah. Wow. You've lived this amazing life so far, or what seems to be an amazing life. You're 18 years old. You have a new chapter ahead. You're moving to Atlanta this Saturday. Yes. Correct? So I'm very fortunate to have you on here. Thanks again for coming yes. on. Well, of course. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And I have I just two more questions. Three more questions. They'll be quick. But um, No worries. If you look back at the years you've lived, I mean, what advice would you give to your younger self? Oof. Well, I will say that one of the most strenuous times that I've ever gone through was the entire process of moving here from New Jersey. I thought that because I had so many friends over there that I had developed such intimate relationships with the people, with the neighbors, with the waiters, with the ice cream lady, Georgina, that would always pass by, that moving out here and losing all that was it would be the end of so many different relationships and so many friendships. Yeah. And because of that struggle, I feel like I sort of le leaned back a little bit when I got here. And I thought, I'm just not really going to involve myself too much. I'm going to try my best in school, of course. I'm going to try and get the best grades that I can. And I think I did well. But socially, I don't think that I really pushed myself to be friends with anyone or become best friends with anyone. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I feel like I have I missed out on so many potential relationships and friendships because I just didn't want to be with them, be with these people that I considered so boring. Because, again, being from New York, the kids were crazy. <laughs> New yeah. York, New Jersey, they were wild. They were bonkers. And to have such calm, collected presences right beside me, mm -hmm. that was it was a little bit depressing. Yeah. And because I was so used to the energy that was embodied within these students and these individuals that I had back in New Jersey and on the East Coast to move over here was a little, it put me a little bit down. I'll say that. But as the years went by, I slowly started realizing, okay, all right, I'll have to deal with this. Why not? Let me just make the best of it. 
Mm -hmm. Let me be the best kid and the best student that I can. And in seventh grade, I think I really let that burger guy persona out because of my student government speech. Mm -hmm. Because I said, oh, I've always loved burgers. Burgers appeal to everyone. And because of that, because I love burgers so much, I know how to appeal to everyone too. Mm -hmm. I know how how to appeal to you all. I know how to listen to you all. Because burgers are everywhere and you are everyone, I will listen to everyone and incorporate those ideas into our school, into school life, student life, all that. Yeah. And from there, that that's what sort of acted as the incubator a little bit mm-hmm. for my leadership ideals and sort of aspirations. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. And since you're still young still... Um, what do you see yourself doing in the future? Oof. That is so rough. And I mean, the dream would be to become an Anthony Bourdain-like figure. Yeah. No reservations, parts unknown, all that. All those shows where he travels around the globe through conflicts, through zones that are so stranded in poverty and difficult times and finds the good in people, in populations through something as simple as food as cuisine and dishes that would be my dream job yeah because again it's it's difficult to find good sometimes in a world that's often a bit divided nowadays more than ever but to be one who allows people to see the other side of people like immigrants people that are coming to this country for the first time people that live in other countries that are often poverty stricken or struck by war to see the beauty in those people in those populations and civilizations and all yeah. that i think that that's one of the one of my dreams because again one of the things that i hate to see is a divided world just because of skin color or religion or sexual orientation or any of that yeah and to bring people together through the means of food that would be an absolute dream amazing and um one more question to finish this off of course what is the best burger you have ever eaten? <sighs> okay. So, I believe that I've eaten so many burgers and such a great quantity of burgers that it's so difficult to pinpoint a best that I cannot give one single burger the title of the best burger I've ever had. Mm-hmm. But instead, I will disclose that I have three burgers that I like the most over any other ones. Okay. And you do need to have a big, hefty budget for spending to get these. I will say that. (laughs) But I do think that they're all worth it. Uh So first, the first quote-unquote best burger that I ever had was at a restaurant called Emily, which is in Brooklyn, which is where I'm from. Mm -hmm. And it was awesome. And they serve what they call the Emmy Burger which is only serve, well, they only serve 20 per night, I believe, 20 or 25 or maybe 30 per night except for Sundays, which is unlimited burger day, which consists of, I believe, Fleischer's, which is a craft butchery in Connecticut beef, and Grafton Cheddar, a Tomcat Bakery pretzel bun, which I believe is local in Brooklyn as well, caramelized onions, and what they call emmy sauce and emmy sauce is the key to that burger because you take a bite into that emmy sauce and it's like this explosion of flavors of spicy 
and sort of, I don't even know. It's just so complex and laden with all these rich and distinct yet barely distinguishable from each other spices. Yeah. That it comes together in this cohesive little puddle of just a flavor bomb. And you take a bite and you taste the Emmy sauce with that beef, with that cheese, with that bun and that onion. And it just comes together in your mouth and it swirls together in this most amazing spinning flavor spiral. And it just brings you up to a new level and it just makes you so energized because that flavor is so out of this world. And maybe you've never tasted it. Maybe you've recognized a little bit of it because it's in a sense like in a new version of buffalo wing sauce. Yeah. But again on a completely new level so that's one after that i found another one of the best in cambridge massachusetts after visiting harvard actually we made a reservation for five o'clock at a place called craigie on main mm-hmm. craigie on main i believe only serves 21 burgers per night and there are no unlimited burger nights so you have to get there early in order to secure one so i made a reservation at five o'clock, exactly when they opened, as a nor'easter, a big storm was coming through Massachusetts and all the northeastern Ooh. states. And it was so windy and there was no one there. And I felt so fortunate that, oh, I was here and there's no one else here. I'll definitely get a burger. <laughs> 21 burgers for yourself. 21 burgers, right? Yep. And it's crazy too because if there is a line, if there are people on that line before it opens, they give you tickets. In order to secure that burger, oh. they go down in chronological arrival order and they give you a ticket and they ask, Would you like a burger tonight? Are you ordering a burger tonight? And they give you a burger ticket wow. to secure that burger. Yeah. And th- to be there, well, unfortunately, I wasn't there to experience that and get a burger ticket, but nevertheless, I had that burger and it is the most superb or one of the most superb burgers I've ever had. Just again, because of the combinations and flavor because so okay let's let's begin with the cheese i believe it's from i want to say a dairy farm in vermont they get that cheese they get a bun that they bake in-house amazing both are awesome they cook that burger and they get the juice that comes out of that burger and pull it, put it into the lettuce and onion mixture and call it a burger dressing. Wow. They dress that little tiny salad, quote-unquote, in the juices that come out of that burger. And it is amazing. But the beef, the beef itself, insane. They take what? A few cuts of beef, and they grind all of that up right before service. And to add a little bit of an umami flavor... They add dehydrated miso into the burger mixture, and it just brings the flavor up to an entirely new level because, again, you have the juiciness of the beef, which is amazingly cooked, but to have that little bit of umami flavor from the miso in there, and you take a bite, and you get the beefy flavor, but you also get this distinct flavor, very slight and not too noticeable, but still their flavor of the miso as you take a bite. It was just insane. And with that, what? Mace ketchup, like pepper spray mace? Wow. 
they put that in the ketchup. And it's this delicate, slightly peppery flavor that's just added to it. It was amazing. And the fries there, I think they add togarashi flakes to them. So they're just <laughs> amazing as well. Super flavorful. Super flavorful. Wow. And then, oof. So the next best I actually had a couple weeks ago while I was in Seattle mm-hmm. at a steakhouse called Bateau. And Bateau is awesome for their steak. I'll say that because they have, well, they don't even have a physical menu. They have a chalkboard with regional specialties and varieties of beef and certain and specific farms that they source themselves for their beef and certain cuts from cows that come from those farms. And it's all amazing, but there's no burger on the menu. You just got to know to ask for it. Oh, and there's secret. No, there's no description at all. And wow. you ask for a description and they say, oh, it's beef. It's a sauce. It's a bun. It's onion. And that's wow. It. And I order that. And again, of course, hefty. And this steakhouse was no joke price wise. But I get the burger nevertheless. And it is this insane, this beautiful hunk of ground beef on this locally baked bun with this, I believe, beef fat aioli on there and these superbly caramelized onions. And again, the whole cohesive nature of it and taking a bite into it, it's like another flavor explosion, a flavor bomb and seeing all these little elements, though there's not many, explode in your mouth with one single bite and have them all come together and swirl and spiral and get to know each other all together just blew my mind and again the entire nature of it though it was a little bit more simple than the other ones it was so well executed the beef probably if not the most well probably the most juicy burger that i've ever had the onions caramelized to perfection there were no greater caramelized onions that i've ever had i think in my life that aioli that they put on there was so smooth and added such a nice little addition to the entire experience and though it wasn't an explosion like the rest of the other elements that little hint of flavor that you get as you sink your teeth into that burger yeah incredible the bun just as good as the other elements amazing insane magical and to have all those elements combined together into this one burger this one bundle of happiness and joy and just superb composure was so wonderful and i hope that i'll be able to get the opportunity to come back to seattle to try it again but i don't know we'll see but I'll hope for the best. Oh, sounds amazing. Yes. You heard it from the man himself, yeah. Alex. I, just, I don't know what to say. Thank you so much oh, for coming course. on. Thank you for having me, Omid. It's been a pleasure, <laughs> truly. And um, I'm going to let you conclude the episode. My name is Alex Leo Guerra, otherwise known as the Burger Child. This is the Deem Stream. <laughs>